Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Podjerky proudly brings to you the former Blue Water Tag Champion, the former AWWL Tag Team Heavyweight Champion, two-time American Coney Island Coney Dog Eating Champion, and the host of the Whip Show podcast, Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple. Welcome to the show. That wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad intro, but let me do it. <laughs> Guys, you talking to the two-time, two-time American Cody Dog, Cody Eaton champion, AWWL heavyweight champion, and Blue Water Championship Wrestling Tag Team champion, Mr. What's My Name, Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple. What's going on, man? <laughs> Not too much, not too much. See, I, I had listened to uh, a couple other podcasts that had introduced you just kind of like, kind of toned down a little bit. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to give you the proper introduction. I'm going to try and do it a different way so that uh, um, you didn't say, hey, this is not how you do the introduction. Let's do it. You're almost there. You're almost there, bro. <laughs> I'm not a ring announcer. This is my my first shot at doing that. So uh, sure. I gave it a shot. You did a great job, my guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. So for everybody that doesn't know, you are a former um, pro wrestler. And uh, when did you when did you get into that? Uh, I actually started way back in 2000, I think. Well, it actually goes back further than that. I started liking wrestling back in uh, 19, probably 87. Went to WrestleMania three, saw Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. After that, I was hooked, Uh, became an adult and. You know, most people grow out of wrestling. I stayed into it. Uh, and, yeah, talked to my mom. And there we go. Found a wrestling school. Got trained way back in, like, 2000, 2001. And been part of the business ever since. Okay. And then uh, when you did get into wrestling, you went into through training school. You said you had talked to your mom about doing it. Were, like, was your family supportive about you getting into wrestling? That's always a funny story because, you know, uh, growing up in Detroit, you know, they just don't expect us to be wrestlers. They just don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they just don't expect us to be wrestlers. So, but she knew I loved it from day one. So what happened was, I get this book sent to the crib. Uh, it's called The Inside Secrets of How You Could Get Into the World of Pro Wrestling. At that time, wrestling still was kind of um, closed. So you couldn't just get in. You had to either know somebody or find a wrestling school. You know, they didn't just post stuff like come to the uh, performance center and stuff like that as they do now. Uh, so I found a book, told me how to even get into it. They, the book was in the back of a, I had to order it through Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, if you remember that from back in the day. Ordered the book, looked at it, found a wrestling school in my area. Um, I was trained by a guy named the Canadian Destroyer, Doug Chevalier. He's passed on now, rest in peace to him. And yeah, that was the beginning. As far as was she with it, no, nah, my mom was like, I know you ain't trying to do that. And yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was going to Michigan State University at the same time. So I literally would go to Lansing for class, for school, staying up there in the dorms. And on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, drive all the way back past Detroit to Wayne, Michigan, hour and a half for wrestling school, get done and drive up back to Lansing and take classes in the morning. Probably why I didn't make it in Michigan State. I had to finish at Wayne State, but hey, whatever. And, and what did you think about uh, like the wrestling training school? Um, how did that go? I will tell people it's a lot different than you expect. Um, you watch wrestling all the time on TV, and guys just assume that we could just do it. You know, it's just, oh, man, I watch it. No, you have no idea. You start off, you don't even get in the ring. 
You start off what they do is called chain wrestling. Um, you have to actually learn how to wrestle. You know, yes, it's sports entertainment. Yes, it's bigger than life characters, but you got to learn how to wrestle. So before you even get in the ring, they got you outside. You're learning your wrist locks. You're learning your hammer locks. You're learning your switches because you got to make this stuff look legit. You know what I'm saying? Because if the people don't buy, yes, people know wrestling is what it is, but you got to suspend that belief. You got to make them think, is it that? You know what I mean? I don't like to say the word, so I don't say it. You know the word I'm talking about. That four-letter word they use in wrestling. That I don't like to say that word. But uh, <laughs> so you learn to do it that way. And bef- that's for a whole month before you step into the ring. And then you learn how to do bumps. Bumps is when you landed on that back. And, of course, for years, people thought the ring was just a trampoline. If you ever been in it, it ain't nothing like that. It's nothing like that. You're sore. You're sore. Your body has to get adjusted to it. Taking them bumps, taking them falls. So it's a lot different than most people will ever imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've never had to go through any like pro wrestling training or anything like that, but I've always been a fan. I've been a fan uh, since I can even remember. I was at WrestleMania 6. I'm actually from Canada, so I was at uh, WrestleMania 6 in Toronto, uh, Hogan versus Warrior. And I was always, always hooked on wrestling. I mean, now today... The product that's out today, I'm kind of bored with it, um, yeah. but I'm, I'm I'm still a fan of like uh, the great stuff from back in the day. That's pretty consistent with a lot of the guys that even I interview on my show, the Whip Show podcast, because um, obviously we interview different uh, WWE, NWA, former stars. And a lot of those guys, when, that's one of my final questions that a lot of them say they do not watch the current products. I went to wrestling trivia myself and played. Probably shouldn't because it was like I'm a shooter because I know my wrestling trivia. But I will say I had to have a young guy with me to win because anything from uh, 2010 previously, I was a whiz. Anything after that, I might have seen it in passing, but I don't, you know, <laughs> remember it with the yeah. light bulb switch. So I agree. Yeah, I mean, the, the- 97, 97 to 2001, I think were fantastic years. Uh, we had the Monday Night Wars. You had Austin McMahon. Uh, th- those were like just fantastic years in wrestling. Um, today, it's just I mean, they're doing a lot of wasting of talent, uh, a lot of uh, nonsense gimmicks. And it just I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with covid right now uh, with the storylines. But I just I, I find them just I can I can watch an episode of Raw. That's three hours in like 20 minutes. I can fast forward through it and oh, just God. get the gist of it. If it wasn't for Hulu or not even just Hulu, YouTube, where you could just see the clips of what you need to see. I I, I yeah. tried uh, the three hours, you know, back in the day, if you're a huge fan, you didn't even want to go anywhere on Monday nights because you had to be locked in for the three hours. Yeah. You go on dates. You told them, no, I'm not going today. We got to go on a date another day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now it, does, it doesn't even matter. Um, I think a lot of the factor is because everything is so scripted now. I mean, they, they go over the whole match with their agents before they go out there. You know what I'm saying? So I can't yeah. even just go COVID. Um, even the storylines, uh, the scripts, when they uh, do their interviews, they write down everything like they're actors. Wrestlers aren't actors, they're performers. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're, if, if for anything, they might be considered method actors, but they're not straight up actors. You you know, you give a person bullet points, now I just speak to you. Like right now we're talking. You're you're a podcast host. You're Tom Hartman, a podcast host. You, you have your notes, but you're just going. I'm just going off the top. But when you tell somebody, hey, read this verbatim, you're not going to get that same realness, man. 
No, you're not. No, absolutely. And 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 I think too, like there's, I mean, besides AEW and Impact, which aren't really a, a challenge right now to the WWE, um, they they may be. I mean, AEW is uh, doing very well, but uh, there's no competition. I think uh, with Vince McMahon, they're not pushing the guys that they should be pushing. Uh, and they're pushing like just, you know, the same stars over and over and over again. And uh, I think you need some new blood in there to just kind of uh, mix things up a little bit. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and 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 I do think the pandemic, the not having a live crowd has hurt, obviously. Um, it hurts reactions. But again, I think everything is so uh, contrived. It's just hard, man. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this. I like what they're doing with Roman right now. I do like the turn, Roma being with Paul Heyman going heel. And I was actually kind of a Roman fan, but I know a lot of people did not like Roman Reigns because he was what? Shoved down their throats. And if you give us the yeah. same thing over and over, why do we care? Why do we care? If we, we you know, you, you talked about Hogan and Warrior. If you recall, Hogan and Warrior never had a match before WrestleMania 6. So by the time they had the match, as kids, we're so excited to see this. We see the same matches over and over and over. Then they want us to watch it again at a pay-per-view. Well, we done seen it 10 times already. Why right. do we care? Right. Yeah. And well, what do you think about the Fiend character? <laughs> I've been actually a big Bray Wyatt fan uh, from day one. I think that they missed a lot of opportunities earlier with the Bray, original Bray Wyatt character. Um, when he had the Wyatt family. I do like the fact that they are letting him go a little bit more with the Fiend. But, of course, as he got started... You take the belt off of the man again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So every time you, yeah. you, you you push the gas, you keep running into that red light. Why? That part I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he started off with like Husky Harris and then he went to the Wyatt family. And that was, I thought that was a fantastic gimmick. And I thought they just should have stuck with it and uh, kind of had like that whale and mercy feel to it. And uh, hold like it just like the, the kind of cult, I guess it was like a, almost like a cult. And then they switched over to this fiend character. And when they first started off with the, that Firefly Funhouse, I was like, what, what are they doing with this? And then the fiend appeared and it was like, OK, this is this is pretty cool. And if you actually watched a lot of them, what I liked what they did with his storytelling, which they don't do with a lot of the guys, a lot of it was connected even to his past. Even one of the little uh, puppets is called what? Huskus. Fat, yeah. chubby, throwback to what he was when they were calling him a, uh, a tank with a Ferrari engine or whatever they said. You know, just yeah. it, it, up here. So with him, they actually tried to connect the stories. A lot of the guys, yeah. they don't. You know, we're supposed to just forget that Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns hated each other forever. And then they were like buddies. And you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think they need to pull the trigger on this Alexa Bliss thing already. I mean, it's it's taken a long time. Either do it or don't and uh, get her with him. And um, she, she can play a great character. Uh, I think she has the ability to play that darker character on the show and uh, maybe kind of form something with uh, the fiend or with just Bray Wyatt alone. I also think, man, it doesn't help that it's so much content available. You know what I mean? We, we got three hours of raw. We got two hours of SmackDown. You go on YouTube, you got main event. Um, I, you know, as a wrestling fan, as a young wrestling fan, Oh my God, if we get 24 hours of wrestling, that's great. But actually, it's not because it doesn't leave us wanting anymore. You know what I mean? Right. You yeah. know, drawing out this Alexis Bliss thing. Well, the the new fan now wants us to pull the trigger. You can't wait three months like you could back in the day. We, the reason why yeah. we can do it back in the day, you only had one hour. 
So you were so invested. Like, I can't wait for the next hour next week. Now you see everything. All right, so give it to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about AEW? I like what they're doing. Um, I, I will say I'm not a huge AEW mark like some of the super fans are on the internet. And I, and I will say this before I will preface this. Sometimes with the internet, you know, I'll be being a worker. And granted, I'm, you know, I didn't reach uh, uh, a super climax or whatever, but it's hard for a worker to look at the chat rooms and talk to some of those people because they have no idea what they're talking about as yeah. marks. You know what I'm saying? You're not not because we obviously need the fans. We need the marks, but they have no idea what they're talking about. And unfortunately, they affect the product sometimes in a negative way. You know what I mean? But going back to the original question with AEW, I like some of the stuff they're doing. To me, though, and I know it's going to hurt people's feelings, it still comes across as a big independent promotion on television, if that makes sense. Like, I like Jeremy. I like what he's doing. I like Orange Cassidy. But a lot of those guys still don't have that strong, super television star personality that we look for in pro wrestlers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, and you got Moxley and, and you got Jericho and Jericho's like reinvented himself and, and he's been able to go for such a long time. And I think he's doing a great job. Um, but like you said, some of the other guys are just like, you know, it, it doesn't come across on TV as being a star that you want to just tune into. I, I like MJF. I think MJF is amazing. Oh, awesome. And I even like, I like, I like Orange Cassidy. But then you take a guy who looks amazing like Brian Cage. But what do you, you know what I'm saying? Brian Cage, as big as he is, he comes across as an indie guy that's just huge to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't know the guy's backstory enough. We don't get enough, you know, even though some of the stuff the Young Bucks do, you know, with the guys, it just comes across to me as just a, a, a glorified indie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Young Bucks still come across as indie, right? They don't come across as somebody that you would think you would even see in the WWE. I mean, I, I think they've tried to get them, um, but I, I just still see them as like kind of like the indie darlings. If we met and, and this is an example I, I, I use and, you know, we can say WWE or whatever. But if you saw the Young Bucks at a bar, you wouldn't feel bad at all walking up to them saying, hey, how's it going? Let's talk like they were just your boys. But if you yeah. see a superstar, if you saw Brock, you're going to say, let me think about it. Okay. Hey, Brock, how you doing? Don't want to bother you. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference yeah. a superstar gives off. That's the same way with music. Um, you you feel different. If, you were, if Prince was still living, do you think we would just walk up to Prince? No, we would. You know what I mean? There's a superstar yeah. off a certain energy. And a lot of those guys don't get that off to me. Yeah, I, I I had this conversation on a, on another podcast, and this was I want to say twenty, probably twenty two years ago. WWE guys had come to Toronto, and they always frequented this one restaurant. So a lot of people would just go to this restaurant in hopes of catching them just to get some interviews or some uh, autographs and stuff. And and I had that same reaction. And uh, like Edge was there, Val Venus was there, Nikolai Volkov was there, and and they were all eating dinner. And I had you know had hesitations about going up to them while they were eating. And my friend was like, no, 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 just come. Edge is cool. He'll he'll talk to you. And I was like, he's eating. Don't, I don't want to bother him. And we ended up going up to him. And my friend said, here, here's my friend Tom. He's very shy, which wasn't the case. I wasn't shy at all. I just didn't want to bother somebody while they're eating dinner. So he signed my autograph to Shy Tom from Edge. And I still have that autograph like in a photo album. So, uh, yeah, you do have those hesitations, I guess, if you think that it's more of a superstar than it is uh, just somebody that's like, I guess, independent, right? Yeah, and it just—I don't know. So, like I said, if they can expound a little bit, but I do one thing I do love about AEW 
all those guys seem like they're truly happy to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they really enjoy the company. Um, I don't know if the WWE guys feel the same way right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like I mean, Luke guy. Harper, Luke Harper cut a promo. Uh, not Luke Harper. His name is Brody Lee now. He cut a promo on AEW this past week. And and he it was kind of a shoot interview almost where he would say, you fans that kept me in jail for all this time. And um, other like he was referencing WWE about how he was in jail and wasn't allowed to come out of his shell. And now, like, you know, he's this whole new character and he just won the TNT championship. And so, I mean, it was uh, it was kind of cool to see that. I got it's funny you said that. Um, I actually got we haven't released it yet, but I interviewed uh, Cody Hawk. He was John Moxley's trainer. And I'm going to go ahead and say it on your show. One note that he said, Moxley was with him because Cody Hawk got uh, inducted into the uh, uh, Cauliflower Alley Club Hall of Fame in Vegas. And Moxley introduced him. And he said that was the same day his contract was up. And he said he sat there, looked at his phone, 11.58, 11.59, 12 midnight. And he looked at him dead in his eyes and said, I will never go back. I don't care what they pay me. He would never wow. go back to do it. He yeah. sat there, waited. He said, "Yeah, that's it." He said, "It wasn't." About, he said, "He's rich. I mean, not only he has money, his wife has money. He's good." He yeah. said, "But was at that point, yeah. he's only doing this because he wants creativity." Yeah, and he looks like he's having more fun over in AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and he's and I think his wife is going to be heading over there as well because uh, I think her uh, she's given her notice or her contract up with WWE as well. So I think yeah. she may be heading over there. Yeah, and um. MJF made a line, had a line against her the other day, and I know she did respond to it on uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, some social media platform. She did respond to it. So, yeah, he said something about uh, tell your wife I'm single or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, the shows can be entertaining, but you know, WWE is kind of just getting a little stale for me. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break to show some love to another podcast. Do you have an interest in the paranormal? Do you find joy in creepy things? Do you delight in terror? That's not going to work. My name is Ryan, and I am joined weekly by my friends Alex and Chad to dive deep into the stranger parts of life in an effort to understand more about the world we live in. Come listen to our podcast, That's Strange. You can find us in all of your podcast players. So go, listen, now, and please review. We'd really appreciate it. That was Alex, Chad, and Ryan from That's Strange Podcast. Make sure you go and check them out and hit that subscribe button. So let's get a little bit into your wrestling career. If you want to tell everybody, like, what type of wrestler were you? Were you like a high flyer? Were you a technical wrestler? Were you just like um, like a a, strong guy? Or It was funny, man. Like I said, that uh, I might have been a little bit before my time even then because I kind of was on the, I was a big dude, but I was on the Samoa Joe style. You know what I mean? Trying to do stuff off the top rope, flying over the top, you know, going over the top rope, doing, and I, of course, but back then still, even in 2000, they wanted the big fellas to work the big man style. You know, the Braun Strowman, test the strength, I'm a body slam you, I'll press slam you. So I had to try to incorporate both of it um, a little bit, you know, me later on, I wish I would have incorporated even more of the uh, athletic side because I was pretty athletic. I played football and I played basketball. So, you know, when you do those type of things, you, you tend to be rather athletic, if you will. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the style that I worked. And I was blessed, man. Uh, I got to wrestle. And the first name I ever got to wrestle was King Kong Bundy in Sault Ste. Marie. 
I rest in peace, King Kong, buddy. Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, by the way. And at that yeah. time, I didn't even know Sault Ste. Marie connected on Michigan and the Canadian side. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was a funny story. I'm scared of heights. So I got this big match, but I'm terrified to go. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to drive over the bridge, the Ambassador Bridge. But I yeah. make the drive. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm looking at the map quest. Yeah, I'll tell you how old it was. It was map quest. And I'm like, it's another bridge. And I had to go over another bridge to get over there. But I got to wrestle Bundy. Um, it was a great match. He actually did the avalanche and he did the five count on me. And, five you know, count, yeah. Yeah, man. And that was amazing yeah. because, you know, that was, in our, you know, on my show, we talk about this called a mark out moment. And that was mine. Um, I have been in shows with names before, but actually wrestling somebody that made me feel something because I was a big Hogan fan. And re- remembering what Hogan, what he did to Hogan at WrestleMania 2 in the steel cage. And even before that, and I'm actually in the ring with this guy and he hit me with the same moves and he actually bumped for me. I remember when we were going over the match, he's like, so clothesline me once, clothesline me twice, clothesline me three times, I'm a bump. And I'm like, King Kong Bundy is going to bump for a green whip dog. He's like, I'm like, you sure? I'm like, you want me to come off the top rope? He's like, no, I want you to look big and strong. Clothesline me, take me down. And after that moment, I was like, okay, that was it, man. Um, <laughs> so it was dope wrestling him. I wrestled Sabu. I wrestled Marty Jannetty. And I've actually, over the years, grown a relationship with some of these guys that you were seeing on TV. That's amazing. You know what I mean? Because you just don't yeah. ever, you don't think that's going to happen. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've actually used that to my advantage probably for my podcast, to be honest. But I've had a great relationships. I've had a tryout back before NXT when it was Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, we were down in Tampa, Florida. Had a great tryout. Um, we went to OVW where they had Rip Rogers as the trainer one of their other developmental areas. But yeah, went down there to Florida Championship for a three-day tryout. Uh, Steve Kern was the head trainer at the time. But Gold, uh, Cena, uh, Dusty Rhodes was still there. Rest in peace to him. And my catchphrase was, what's my name? It was a call and response thing. I say, what's my name? They say, whip dog. And when I had Tom Pritchard and Dusty Rhodes and all them guys saying my catchphrase, and when they doing the class and they telling the guys like, hey, whip dog, his ass can't wrestle. But he making us remember him. It was like the dopest thing in front of some of the best workers in the world. You know what I mean? And that led me to even getting a couple extra spots in Detroit, which led to my second uh, markout moment. The same venue, Joe Louis Arena, that I have been paying to go to since I was six, five, six years old. Being in the backstage, getting to come out that curtain, getting choke slammed by The Undertaker was amazing, man. You know what I mean? So, so, so how, how did that come about? Were you were were you in the ring when that happened, or was that backstage? Oh no, in the ring, in the ring. We were we were druids. We were druids. I probably should have said it out loud. I'm sorry, sorry. I broke kayfabe. I'm sorry. No. Yes, we were druids, and we got um after the tryout about about six of us out of the seventy people got called to do some um you know extra work, and they called me to do Joe Louis Arena. And they called me to do the United Center at the time in Chicago. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. It was a SmackDown. And like I said, we got to get, that was our spot. We came out as Druids. We were doing some stuff with Kane. Undertaker, pop, 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 pop. And then, yeah, got hit with the choke slam, man. And, you know, to, to, to the regular fan out there, they're looking like, what? You're happy to get beat up? No. If you're a wrestler, you know that was a <laughs> great moment, man. 
And the guys were amazing, man. Not to mention catering is awesome. They got the best food in the world back then, man. Nice. Was that during the ministry days? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to say, well, I want to be yeah. around 2010, 2011. It would have been. Yeah, yeah so it was- it's funny. I've actually gotten mistaken for The Undertaker. And this is actually a funny story. And I, I, I don't know how I got mistaken. This was his biker days and uh, when he was like American badass. And I was in a small town. I think it was Godrich, I think, in Ontario. And we had just gone to the Burger King drive through. And it, like, just funny enough that it was like, what, I don't think Undertaker's doing Burger King drive through. So I don't know why they would think it was me. And the the people inside, they were all just talking to each other, like, you know, kind of hitting each other. And I was like, what are they doing in there? And they came to the window and they said, we actually thought you were the Undertaker because I had my bandana on. I had the beard going and and uh, they thought that I was the Undertaker. And I was like, wow, I was like, I'm driving a crappy little car. I'm coming to Burger King in a drive-thru in this small little town. Ain't no Undertaker coming here. Whoa, 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 homeboy. You should have ran with it. I'm going to tell you, yeah. there's a place in Detroit. Well, I, I don't know if you ever heard of the big boy restaurants. But anyway, yeah. me and my buddies went in there, and I had just won our AWWL heavyweight title, which is a local promotion in Michigan. I take the belt with me and the fellas to big boy. All the little girls working there see the title belt. I instantly say, yeah. I'm a WWE wrestler. When I tell you, even though I wasn't at the time, everybody came to the back. They taking pictures with us. They want to take pictures with the belt, man. (laughs) It was awesome. They gave us free food. They put our pictures on the wall. I'm like, this is dope, but I probably either got to make it in WWE or never come to this spot again because I wanted to find out. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, I, I had a funny story, too, because I was a big ECW fan. We actually traveled to Philadelphia to go to the bingo hall and, and see uh, ECW. And then ECW ended up coming to Toronto. So we were like, awesome, let's go. We're going to go to the ECW show here. And I the, the way the ECW had worked was you had to stand in line and first come, first serve seating. So my, me and my buddy had gone, I believe it was like six in the morning. And I think the show started at seven at night. So we were there at six in the morning waiting in line and the security guard actually came up to me and said, you can just go around back to backstage and go in. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he was like, you can just go in. Paulie Heyman's here. And he said, uh, Chili Willie's here. And I was like, so you're just telling me that I can just walk in and go and talk to these guys. So he actually thought I was a wrestler. I was a lot bigger back then, um, okay. but he thought I was a wrestler and I blew my chance at going to the back because I, I just, I was confused as to what was going on. And uh, I was like, this is uh, th- that was so stupid. Why didn't I just say, okay, I'm, I'm running over to the back. Uh, but I blew that chance. But that was like the second time I got uh, mistaken for a pro wrestler. Nice. Nice. Should have went with just incredible, man. I can see that. I can see yeah, Justin. now, like, I, I used to weigh over 300 pounds. I'm, like, 170 pounds now. So um, right. back right. then, I was a lot bigger. So I kind of had, like, the Taz build. So I don't oh. know if they had mistaken me for Taz uh, and uh, just the way I was dressed, I guess, that day and said, hey, you can just go to the back there and, and go in. And and I just I, I blew that opportunity. And then uh, Spike Dudley ended up coming out and uh, having a beer and just shooting the shit with the fans in the line. And it was cool. We just got to have a picture with him. And he he hung out with us while we were all waiting in line. So that was pretty cool. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So you were a big ECW fan, huh? I was, yeah. What network did you guys get it on up there? Because, you know, I got it on pass here. What network did you guys get it on? Uh, we had, so it was different. They started it on TNN. 
okay, uh, here. And then they went to TSN, I believe. But then, I don't know, they just, they kind of went off of the network for a little while after. So you kind of had to just watch it on the internet. Okay, so you didn't see it before it got to national television. No, so I, well, I had, I had, uh, like, I ordered tapes off of uh, the internet. Um, Yeah, so I had a lot of the older stuff, yeah. Yeah, you were a wrestling fan. If you knew about ordering tapes from the uh, back of the magazines, yeah. yeah. RF video, yeah. yeah. New Japan, like the New Japan stuff I ordered offline. Uh, I ordered all like the ECW stuff. I, I had tons of ECW stuff. And then it came on TV and I was like, oh, good. I don't have to order this anymore and wait for it. I can just watch it on TV. So it was pretty cool. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have created a character, which is Whipplemania. <laughs> you done your research, bro. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I saw did this and I was like, this is awesome. This is great. Yes. Okay. Whippermania. And it was funny. I actually got a picture on my Facebook of me and Hogan as Whippermania. But the, the funny thing with how Whippermania started, um, I was working for indie promotion here called MPWA. And we had a local television show that came on every Sunday at 12 noon. And it was really doing really well in our market. So... We ended up doing a Halloween episode. In the storyline, I was in a group called the Bradford Dynasty with um, the leader of the group was a guy named Johnny Bradford, who actually Edge wrote about him as his original manager in his book. He When he was Adam Copeland in the area of sex and violence, Johnny Bradford was the manager. And the other co-leader of the group was D-Ray 3000 from TNA. So the storyline was I was the bodyguard. I didn't have a personality. I'm just a big bodyguard. And the Halloween episode, they all the other wrestlers are going to dress up. I come in dressed up as Hogan. D-Ray 3000 goes off on me like, what are you doing? You're the bodyguard. You can't dress up. That leads into the story of he's my favorite. And at, prior to that, I'm not even talking. I'm the big silent black dude. I'm not even talking. I'm just beating people up. I'm like, what, let me tell you something, brother. I start that. It starts my turn against the Bradford Dynasty. <laughs> And then I go on and stick with Whippermania probably for another year. And it was great, man. We had, I would go on over, man. We had kids. They would come in the ring with me at the end of the shows. And I mean, we would do the whole everything, the whole Hogan gimmick. And it was really over, man. We actually even brought in a guy who did a Macho Man uh, impersonation and actually did a Mega Powers <laughs> gimmick one time. But yeah, it was really cool. Whippermania was really dope. And I actually still use the tagline Whippermania from time to time. And, and you got to meet Hulk Hogan because of that, right? Yep, yep, yep. I was uh, went down to the uh, Columbus, the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Ohio Columbus Sports Fest. And yeah, got to meet Hogan. Me and Hogan chopped it up. And like I said, Hogan was my favorite. I had never met him prior to that. And Hogan, it was so dope. Had me on his Facebook page, man, on his Instagram, me and him. So at that moment, I was made, man. So that was mark out moment too. The first one was King Kong Bundy because he fought Hogan. The second one was meeting Hogan. Y'all, I was made then. And how was he? I, I hear different stories about Hogan um, being like a dick to people and a nice, pe- a nice to people. So how was he with you? With me, he was chill, man. Um, I walked up on him and he's like, Oh, let me see what's this all about. So he grabs the feather boas. He looks at it, and I have a belt. And I, I should have brought it with me. I have an actual whip dog belt. He picks it up. He's holding the whip dog belt in the picture, but he was cool. And we only chopped it up probably maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes. But he was real cool with me, man. I'm, I, I can't say anything bad about him. I actually yeah. – <laughs> 
when he got in trouble, I tweeted him like, dog, let me post this picture of me and you. I can save you, baby. Just give me a couple of dollars. I can save you, bro. <laughs> and did he get back to you? No, not on that tip. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> but no, he didn't. But I was like, nah, no, nah, he didn't get back to me on that one. So he's your favorite wrestler. So besides him, who else uh, are you a fan of? Um, other than that, I'm pretty much open to a lot of guys. Like I've always thought the rock was really good. I, I like the sports entertainment side of it. I do. I do enjoy a great match. Um, don't, I don't want that to sound like I don't, but pro wrestling is entertainment. What drew me into it was, cause I knew I was going to be a big guy. What drew me into it was even when I was a little dog, you know what I'm saying? Um, a big guy with an even bigger personality. I, if, if I was a little person, I think people would still be like, okay, this whip kid is, you know what I'm saying, a little extra. So with that being said, I like those type of guys. I liked I liked Undertaker. I liked Warrior. Warrior, I mean, Warrior was the first guy that all, almost rivaled my love for Hogan. You know what I mean? So when you just said Hogan versus Warrior, you went to six. I just popped a little bit in my head. I'm trying to hold it in so I don't sound like a mark to you. I mean, I probably watched WrestleMania six. 30,000 times on the network, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, people like Warrior couldn't work, Hogan couldn't work. But if you tell me you didn't react for that match, you're not a pro wrestling, sports entertainment fan. Just like. Oh, I totally marked out for that. I mean, oh. it, it, that was uh, as bad as they were at the at the, the wrestling game. That match, it, it was historic. It was great. It was title for title, first time, I believe. And uh, it was just, a, it was a fantastic match. And even back then, you know, now, obviously, as a as, as an older person, you can see the mistakes. But back then, yeah. you didn't realize, you know what I'm saying? Because you were popping for this stuff. Yeah. Every single yeah. thing they did, even when they looked at each other. And, and, and you know, again, because like I said, I like that type of thing. Going back to me being a big fan of The Rock. Fast forward 13 years later, Hogan and The Rock in WrestleMania. And Hogan... Yeah. He done had his run to NWO, so he's almost pretty much past his prime then. And still, once again, and were they in Toronto? Was Hogan uh, That might have been, yeah, I think that was in Toronto. And even that match, that people been, already know, I don't yeah. like Hogan anymore, but the fans were cheering everything they did so much where the fans turned on The Rock, who was the biggest star wrestler at the time, for Hogan. So I, I think it shows that it's not always just the wrestling match itself. It's the presentation, the psychology of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Hogan was an entertainer, right? He had the whole say your vitamins, do, uh, oh, yeah. say your prayers, take your vitamins. He would do that, like um, kick out and then do, you know, like the kind of uh, Hulk up and and everybody always popped for that. And I still remember as a kid, even when uh, Andre, I guess, had uh, beaten him. I think Ted DiBiase had bought in the title after yeah. Andre had beaten him. It was a Saturday night's main event. I, I still remember like how upset I was over that thinking, you know, like what the hell just happened? Hogan was a champ for four years. And like, this is just something that you're used to. And as a kid, you were shocked at that happening. I went to a local show. I wanted to know what they call them house shows or whatever here. And it wasn't televised, but I'll never forget. Hogan went against adorable Adrian Adonis. An adorable agent Adonis actually won by count out or disqualification, some type of way. And at this point, I don't know the rule that a champion doesn't lose the belt by, you know, saying that. Yeah. I'm literally in tears. And I, my mama and my uncle are laughing at me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm literally in tears because Hogan lost. And then when they said he kept the title, I'm like, but he's still the champion. And they're just going crazy laughing. But it shows the connection that you could have. And even, you oh, know, absolutely. As adults, but we still, we still, if something is good, 
we still draw a connection to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I still, when, when Hogan's music hits and he comes out, I still mark out. I still, you know, like, Oh, what? Like he's, he's here. Like it's, it's pretty cool. But, um, that's just because that was the, that was the, the, the creation that you grew up watching and you still have the memories as a kid. So you, you bring that back when, when his music hits again, that all comes back to you and you just kind of mark out on that. Exactly. My, my co-host Daryl Pace, um, was at the mania that Undertaker lost the streak. Oh, and he wow. said, energy, literally, he said, all these adults literally were in their feelings. Like, they didn't know. Like, they really were hurt. They were sad. And obviously, wrestling is a work. But that right there showed you the emotion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He said, those steel shots that you saw people, like, shot, that wasn't half of it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you remember, they purposely waited a second before they said, that Brock actually won, and then they showed the uh, graphic. He said th- those five seconds seemed like five minutes where people thought, well, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it wasn't supposed to happen. And then when it set in, people literally were like, you know what I mean? And those are adults. So wrestling yeah. to this day can still draw an emotional connection to people if you do it right. Yeah. We're going to take another break to help out another podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. That was Nick and Russ from Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. Definitely. Right now, I, I know like they like to parody uh, everyday life, basically, with their, I guess, their angles that they're running now. And they're doing that retribution thing. And, and a lot of people are upset about that just because of everything that's going on in this world and saying, like, you know, don't, don't do that right now. It's not the right time. It's not the right place. Um, but they're still running with it. And that's just, uh, I guess, they want to draw that emotion from people. Yeah. And um, I, I think and I, I actually uh, interviewed Duke Jones. We were talking about some like ribs and stuff they used to do back in the day and even stuff in, in, in front of the ring, how so much stuff they can't get away with. Either. So I think it's partially how the world has changed, because back in the day, a heel could be a heel. If you know what I mean by that, they could go all out, you know, whether it be whether we agree uh, with the life that we live right now. But. The job was the heel went all the way out there and the face gave us, quote unquote, retribution. No pun intended. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. a, a heel does something. They got to go on the Internet and apologize or tell people, oh, this is this, the work. It's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Because people take it to heart right now. And they're just uh, a lot of people get offended over stuff that's said or done or whatever is happening on the show. Do you remember Sergeant Slaughter when he was an Iraqi yeah. sympathizer? How, like yep. uh, I can't even imagine him doing that now. The fans, I mean, they would they, they would try to stop the WWE, but back then they said it was so serious he would get death threats, all types of things, and that was. And I know it sounds crazy to the to the uh, normal fan, but that's heat. That's what you want. And then when you get yeah. your champion, your happy guy to beat him, you just save the world, man. You just save the world. Yeah. Yeah. You bring in Hogan, the All American Hero, and you know you get him to beat uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, who is the Iraqi sympathizer at the time. And, you know, he goes over big. 
bro. They even and what and what when Bret Hart was alive. I'm not alive. Sorry about that, Brett. You're still living. I'm sorry, Brett. But even uh, years ago, they were actually almost able to start a war with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels between Canada and America, who had really never had a problem yeah. because of the way that Bret Hart presented Canada at the time where he was like a face over there, but like a heel over yeah. here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Shawn Michaels taking a Canadian flag, put it up as like, you literally had <laughs> that much of a rivalry and they created yeah. that energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that I that I loved. I mean, those two guys are like such good workers. Uh, I know there was a lot of heat between each other, but I mean, they were such good workers. They could put on some great matches. Now, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Was Bret Hart, uh, is he really looked at as that big of a star in Canada or is it just like in Calgary? Oh, no, he is a big star in Canada. I mean, anywhere he would go, everyone knows who he is. Uh, I mean, like starting off with the Hart Foundation, he wasn't really that like known, right? It was him and the Anvil. And um, and then they pushed him as a singles wrestler and he became more and more popular. And then like I went to an autograph signing here in Toronto with uh, Bret Hart and it was actually at a Pizza Pizza. And um, I don't know if you guys have Pizza Pizza over there. I think uh, But uh yeah, so we I had gone there and the the crowd that was there to get this guy's autograph, I was just baffled. I was like, I, I didn't even know he was this popular here uh, in Toronto, never mind like Calgary. But I mean, in Toronto, I didn't understand that he was that popular. So, yeah, he was a, a, a big time celebrity here. OK, 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 OK. I've, all, I've always wondered that. Obviously, you know, they they presented like he was. but I've always wondered, was it really? Yeah. Which oh, yeah. makes sense because over the years, they've always been a fit, you know, um, one of the knocks against him was he took his character too serious. But if he really was the Michael Jordan of Canadian wrestling, then it makes perfect sense then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, definitely 100%. He was the Michael Jordan of Canadian wrestling over here for sure. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, anybody you ask, if you say who's Bret Hart, they know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take one more break to help out another podcast. Every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. We are here to tell you, you are not alone. Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, tells the stories of victims and survivors of true crime with a focus on the support these survivors need. We provide information for those who have endured trauma and for those who love someone who has. Tune in every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear these stories of hope, survival, and empowerment. No one should go through this alone. We believe you. That was Sarah from Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. So let, let's get a little bit into your podcast and let everybody know what you do with your podcast uh, so that we can try and get uh, some new listeners maybe out of Canada listening to your show as well. Okay, sounds good. Well, like I said, I have the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. Um, I actually got an episode back there right now. I interviewed Randy <laughs> Randy Hogan, who was a WCW uh, jobber that actually started uh, becoming infamous 20 years later. But I have my co-host, Devastating Daryl Pace. Shout out to him. And we're on Anchor, Spotify, you know, all of the podcast platforms. But the show, what we purposely did, and like I said, I used a lot of my connections we always interview different wrestling stars or wrestling quote unquote heroes. 
Um, we've had C.W. Anderson from ECW. We've had Scott Hudson, uh, WCW announcer, uh, Alpha Jr., who was part of the legacy, you know, in WWE. Uh, we've had Jimmy Noonan, security guard for WWE, because we really want to focus on the, the heroes of wrestling. Wrestling is not just the workers. It's a whole production. Um, we've had one of the production assistants from WWE, as well as, like I said, we got Cody Hawk coming up, the trainer for John Moxley. Uh, we've had Tim Storm from NWA World Champion. Uh, we've had a little bit of everybody on our show, man. Uh, we got Gilbert coming up soon, you know. And, you know, the longest reign of light heavyweight champion. We've even had a former WWE uh, writer on the show. Um, we actually got a guy that's making the music for AEW. He's coming up soon as well. But that's basically our show. We interview different people. And it's just a conversation, just kind of like this. Um, I didn't want it to be one of those boring news type of podcasts where you're like, hello, so how long have you been a pro wrestler? And um, yeah. what do you do for fun? I wanted to just have it, just kick it, just, you know, and we really laugh. We have some good times. We done find out some hilarious Vince McMahon stories, um, Paul Heyman stories, Eric Bischoff stories. I mean, all the guys, because the guys do feel really comfortable just kicking it with us. You know, and that's kind of what we yeah. want to do on our show. So, we, yes, check it out. We do the show every Friday. We have a Facebook page. You can go like, uh, just put in a whip show, Instagram, at the whip show podcast. And if you guys got somebody you want us to interview, just hit me up. All I can do is see if I can get them on the show. The whip show podcast at gmail.com. Like I said, we don't have some great guys. and We got some really good ones coming up. I can't give out all the secrets, but we got some great guests coming up as well. Now, now, are you friends with all of these guys or uh, is it just like you reach out to them? You've come across paths with them like Tim Storm. I've been watching uh, NWA Power and he was on there. Mama Storm, the whole story. Um, so uh, I've been watching him. Um, like, do you actually know these guys or do you just reach out to them and they kind of get back to you and, and uh, get onto your show? Well, some of the guys I did know, um, like I had Congo Kong. He's from this area. So a lot of the guys that came through Michigan, I do know. Um, but in some of the guys, I just reach out to them. You know what I'm saying? You know, one thing, and if anybody's out there being a journalist or whatever, I'm going to tell you, people say don't do it. It helps to drop names. When you tell somebody, hey, I had such and such on my show. Wait a minute. That's my boy. If he did it, I'll do it. You know, and then when you actually come on the show, you're not trying to set them up. This isn't a my show isn't one of those shoot interviews where I'm trying to get them to say terrible things about Vince Russo or nothing like that. Or, you know, right. how. So many shoot shows, they talk about Dave Meltzer uh, terribly. I mean, it's not like that. We just having fun. So to answer your question, some of the guys I know and some of them I just reach out to and they happen to be cool. Um, i tell you this, though. After the show, because we have so much fun, they usually like, man, this is like the best show I've ever been a part of. You know, like I said, we've had Hannibal from Hannibal TV. And even he said, it, like, Hannibal is trying to help us get more views. Uh, so with that being said... I told my partner the other day, like, dog, if I had all these connections when I was wrestling full time, I'd have made it to WWE and been a superstar. I'd have just called him up like, hey, after doing my show, can I get on? Yeah, well, you good. You're my guy. <laughs> but, yeah. Hey, everything happens for yeah. a reason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm trying to get into uh, more of the interview type stuff now as well, because um, I do like on our show, we've done a whole bunch of stuff. We're just like a variety show. So we've done like, you know, fertility episodes and uh, husband and wife pet peeve kind of stuff. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get into a little bit more of the interviews. And and I was always a wrestling fan. So when I had reached out to, I guess, our mutual contact there, Steve, 
uh, he put me in contact with you and then said, hey, let's, you know, let's get a, a show together going on with that. And then I, I screwed up and I actually missed our, our first appointment, which I apologize for again. Um, just totally slipped my mind that day for my work meeting. And uh, I, I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to go down that road and maybe talk to a few other wrestlers as well, because it's just it's just fun hearing some of the stories. Well, what I, what I could do, like I said, if you get a chance, go check out my page, check out some of the interviews we did. If there's yeah. anybody that you're interested in, just shoot me a message and I'll see if I can make a bridge and uh, get them on your show, too. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would, I would appreciate that for sure. Definitely. So is there any last words that you have for everybody out there uh, before we let you go? Yo, check out my show, The Whip Show Podcast, each and every Friday. Like I said, we have some great interviews. You're going to have a good time. I'm going to just leave it at that. We on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Play, iTunes. You can say, hey, Google, play The Whip Show Podcast, and Google will play it now. Alexa, all that. So check that out. And make sure you keep checking out this podcast. This young man is good. I've done some of these interviews, and they're fun, but this, this guy is good. Shout out to you, man. You're doing a great show, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So we are going to wrap up this interview for today. And as always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we will see you later. Here we go now.